0: Thank you, Jack, and uh, good morning, church. You all look very good today, very awake, which is awesome, wonderful. Thank you for uh, praying for me. Uh, I was not well last week, and uh, I know there's a number of people uh, that have been struggling uh, lately with their health. It's, uh, it's been an interesting uh, winter, hasn't it? So uh, mine seems to be holding on to me, but I'm believing for full health, and that uh, I'm going to be set free from it completely. And, uh, but I really felt the prayers uh, last weekend and this week. And every, every day just progressively uh, got better. And so I do just want to say thank you. And uh, thank you not just for praying for me, but thank you for praying for each other. I love that we are a church that prays for each other. We check in with each other. We look after each other. Sometimes I, uh, I text people and it's like, hey, how are you going? And they've already been checked in with like five other people. And uh, so that's, that's good. That's a good thing. And uh, keep, keep that up. And uh, I like that. I like that we are always making sure that uh, we're, not, we're not forgetting people. We're not wondering, you know, what's going on? Why aren't they here and stuff like that? And so keep doing that. Like I said last week, uh, if there's someone that you're like, you know what? They haven't been in the room for a little while. I'm going to check in. I'm going to see what's going on. Reach out. Don't just think the thought, because it's not just the thought that counts. I don't like it when someone gives me a gift and says the thought that counts, because think bigger thoughts, or, or better thoughts, or whatever. I don't know. Anyways, be generous, and help each other, and love each other. Uh, this week, we are jumping into part two of our Build Series, a firm Foundation, because we are Team Jesus. We are Team Jesus. We're on His team, and He's chosen us. And He still chooses us, and He chooses to use us, chooses to work through us. And uh, it's the greatest team to be a part of. And uh, I love that it's more than a team. We are family. Our anchor verses for this series is Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. Jesus replied to a question asked of Him about the greatest commandment, the greatest law. What's the most important thing for a Christian to do? Jesus said this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But a second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So, a firm foundation. Jesus, the Word of God. We are to base our lives on a firm foundation. First things first, there's a lot trying to suck our attention right now in our society. So many things are literally like they're scrambling for our attention. And and most of it, I know, and I'm convinced by this, that most of it is rooted in money. The root of all evil, the love of money, everyone's trying to get our attention, everyone's paying to get our attention. So we have to separate ourselves from stuff like that. Feet on a firm foundation, keeping the main thing, the main thing, not getting distracted by all that's going on, but recognizing, no, God's given us something to do. God loves us. He's for us. He's not against us. And putting His words into action. So, part one last week was building us, building inside the house, taking responsibility of the family. And this week, it's about building others. You know, have you ever ordered uh, something and not got what you ordered? That's happened? Yes. I was with uh, Pastor Mark and Pastor Nina uh, having dinner one time, and um, it was actually when they, they uh, were talking about planting Morrowfield, and uh, they were checking in with uh, Ivana and I, how we were going praying and seeking God in, in leading that, and uh, we, we went to this new restaurant at Chermside, and uh, we ordered off the menu. Now, um, like we, we, we were a little bit, you know, we'll see what's going on here, because uh, they brought out some entrees and uh, a coffee. I always order a double shot flat white before I uh, get stuck into a nice evening meal when I'm out. And the flat white came out, and uh, half of it had spilled over to the, the little tray, and uh, the lady just apologised and put it down, and uh, thought that that was okay. Uh, not for me, Uh, I'm here to pay for my coffee, Um, it's not at home and I I don't expect spilled coffee and so I was like, that's okay, I'll wait for another one. She's like like really really shocked and uh, so she she took it back. Anyways, we start ordering, one of the things on the menu was baby goat and uh, Pastor Mark, he loves goat, he loves game meat and uh, I don't mind game meat as long as it's cooked well, it's got to be slow cooked or something so it's actually tender. Anyways, it comes out and uh, different waitress, and uh, clearly, it was not their fault, which I Google reviewed. It was management. It's not someone's fault if their manager allows this sort of, sort of uh, waitressing. She's like, uh, uh ba- baby girl? <laughs> I was like, no, that is not okay. Why, why would you even say, say that? Oh, my gosh. It's, uh... We, we said, baby goat. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that must be what it is. I was like, if you're not sure, just don't say anything. Go back to the kitchen and just check. Because I, I am shocked that, that someone thought it was okay to serve baby girl at a restaurant in champs I like Google reviewing. It's a little hobby of mine. <laughs> I'm actually a really good Google reviewer, okay? I, I, I'm I truthful, except in one place, and that's my favourite park, okay? I gave it one star, and I said, I hope nobody comes to this park, because it's awesome. <laughs> you know when a good place just gets overrun, and it's it's not a good place anymore? Anyways, I won't even tell you where it is, but if you... If, uh, <laughs> If you read my Google reviews, you'll find it. But I'm always very truthful. I, I tell them that if it says Eggs Benedict and, and uh, it says eggs, you should get two eggs, not one egg. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, but if it's good, I rave about it. And I take photos and I prop that business up because I think we should be truthful. Anyways, you know, some people started reviewing this church when we started. It's true. You should remember this. You were there. I was so annoyed the first Google reviewer of Emerged Church Morefield, when we're in the cinema, one star. I'm like, I rebuke you devil in Jesus' name. Some troll didn't even, didn't even come to our church. And I'm like, I'm messaging Google, emailing, them, this guy doesn't even come to our church, he can't say stuff like that. And uh, I didn't get a reply from Google. Anyways, I quickly went to every single person in the church. You guys remember that, surely? And I'm like, five-star it now. We've got to up the rating. And it's like, because, you know, after, even after one person doing five-star, we well, got a one-star and a five-star, so now we're only a, a two- or three-star church. I'm like, no, Jesus is a five-star church. Amen. His church should always be. And then I checked out this guy's review. He one-starred all the local churches. i like, this guy is just a demon. I rebuke him in Jesus' name. You know what? You might think church should be one thing and then you come to church. Maybe you're new to church. You're like, this is not church, surely. I'll tell you, this is church and this is what church is meant to be. Sometimes people think church has got to be, church has to be perfect and uh, church should be ordered. There should be no mess. There should be no issues. There should be nothing out of place. Like, nothing should happen that should scare me. And I'm like... Well, welcome to real life, peoples. Welcome to human beings gathering in one place. It's messy, but it's glorious. It's crazy, but it's beautiful. And you know what? It's us. It's you and me. So when someone says something funny about the church, they're talking funny about you. But That's okay. Don't take it personally. It's about all of us, not just about you. But you know what? I, I love that as the church, full of all of us, Jesus chooses us. I love that. He chooses you. He chooses me. He chooses your kids and your parents. He chooses all of us. And he's building something. He's not done yet. We're not the finished product. So don't expect yourself to be a finished product. Have grace for yourself and have grace for those around you. And uh, if you're new, welcome to the family. My message this morning is titled Building Others. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we come around your Word today, I pray that you would speak to us powerfully, that we would get closer to you, that we would be more like you. And Lord, I ask right now that you would do what only you can do, Lord God, that your power and your presence would be felt today. Lord God, that you would do something incredible in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Church, Jesus is building His house and this house is you and I, it's full of people, you, me, everyone else, whoever comes, and uh, everyone who's about to come, everyone who's meant to be coming here, they are a part of what Jesus is building. So today I want to ask you the question, because we're on Team Jesus, so what are we building? What are we building in each other? And what are we building in those around us? I could, I could probably present the question to you this way, what are you adding to people, What are you adding to the world around you? Because that's what you're constructing. It's like your life. Your life right now, today, in this very moment, is the culmination of all the little decisions that you make. Because every decision you make, makes up your day. And that day builds a week, that week builds a year of life. Some is imposed on us, some just happens. A lot is what we do with what we have. You know, In Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John healed that lame man, they had an opportunity there to add something to this man's life. And we've gone over this a couple of weeks ago. What What did he really need? He didn't need money. He asked for money. He needed to be healed. He was lame. And I love that that's what Peter and John did. They knew what they carried and they gave it to him. And it's like, well, we don't have silver and gold, but what we have we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazareth get up and walk, and they grabbed him, pulled him up, put their faith into action, and he was healed, which is awesome. But you know what? I reckon if Peter and John did have money, they still would have done the same thing. Because uh, they, they had been impacted by the teachings of Jesus, like a lot. Their whole lives had been literally flipped upside down, they'd been radicalized and ruined for the normal things of the world, they were doing what God had asked them to do. I think, I think some of us, maybe we might have gone and done the Christian thing, the generous thing, given money. God blessed them and kept on going into the temple. We've gone over that. And you know, I think the lack sometimes in our life creates an opportunity for the power of God to move. But I, I thought, you know what, I was thinking about it more this week as I was prepping for today. I'm like, I reckon they just would have done both. Because I think that's what Jesus wants us to do. I reckon they would have healed the guy and said, oh, by the way, here, here's some money as well, if they had some. They didn't, but that's okay. If they did, they would have. You know, Jesus told them what to do, and they were doing it. That statement, more of Him and less of me. Less of me every moment, less of me every day. It's not about us. What are we, what are we adding to other people? More of Him and less of me. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that they raised this man to walk. Paul put it like this in Acts 20 verse 35. I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Everyone loves receiving? Love Receiving. We love a good gift. We love getting something from someone, especially when it's someone special. They do something for you because it denotes that they've been thinking about you, because they care about you, because they love you. But it's even better to give that feeling of giving, that feeling of being useful, that feeling of being generous. That's what Jesus said it's better to do this. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So, my first point for this morning for us, church, is blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing, church. I want you to think about what we really have. Because what you and I have is the answer to everything. What you and I carry, the presence of God, is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's a lot of power. You're a powerful person. So don't submit to Fear. Don't submit to the circumstance. Don't see things through the eyes of the natural. See things through the eyes of the supernatural. Because we are more spirit than flesh. It's a temporal tent. It's a temporal moment. This is just for the time here. We are going to live forever. There is more to us. We are more spirit than flesh. Because we can't see it sometimes. we We don't engage with it. Enough, but there's a war going on. There's a real war between light and darkness. There's a war between our flesh and our spirit. You think about our heart, Jesus described our heart as desperately wicked. So, your heart is desperately wicked. It's why when you do some things or you think some things that man, I'm an evil person. There is wickedness in our heart and it leans towards, it bends toward, as a desperation of wickedness in our heart and it's about taking authority over that and choosing to not live the old man life but to choose to put on the new clothes, to choose to put on and to do and to see things the way Jesus saw things. I've got my first example for us this morning because Jesus knew what He had. He knew what he carried. I want to read to you the moment in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 15, when he raised the widow's dead son. It goes like this. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. A large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart Overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Mm, Freedom, life. That is what Jesus has come to give us. Life and life abundant. So Jesus knew what he could do, and he approaches this situation with that confidence within himself, despite giving up all divinity, despite choosing to not have the power of God, of that position that he held, he gave that up, he said, but I know what I carry, I know what I can do, Every circumstance you walk into, you carry something that is able to shift it, something that is able to move it, something that is able to bring the miracle working power of God into a circumstance where it looks like nothing can be done. I I love the setup of this. So previously, just before this, Jesus had just uh, healed the Roman centurion's slave. And so there's a great crowd around him. And great crowds have been following Jesus because his public ministry had just kicked off and he was doing a whole lot of really awesome things. So picture it Jesus walking towards his town of Nain, a crowd with him, following him. There's also a crowd coming out. So there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. Those who are coming with Jesus were like, oh, man, this guy's awesome. What's he going to do? What's he going to say next? But the crowd coming out were approached being approached from a different circumstance they were coming out comforting this woman coming out supporting her maybe family maybe friends maybe people around that knew part of the funeral procession you know name is spoken nowhere else in any of the gospels things like that are always significant in scripture it means charming It's a charming town. I think God knew what He was going to do here in this circumstance and Jesus only did what His Father told Him to do. So, I love this. Two crowds about to experience what Jesus was going to do. You know, you don't approach a funeral procession if you're not part of it. That's weird. Very weird. Like, you, you avoid them or you respectfully walk on by, but I mean, Jesus had a crowd, so He's sort of not exactly able to hide, uh, and I don't think He wanted to, because He knew what He was able to do. Now, I love this, I love that Jesus approaches the funeral procession, He's moved with compassion, He sees a circumstance that He knows He has the ability to turn it around, and He looks at the woman who is crying and says, don't cry. You can only make a statement like that if you can back that up. <laughs> like, you don't, you, don't, you don't say stuff like that if you can't back it up. But Jesus could back it up. It's bold, isn't it? Because He really knew what He carried. He really knew what He could do. So, He declared something. He declared in faith, don't cry. Then he turns his attention and approaches the coffin and then touches the coffin. None of this you do. Even today, that's weird. But in that culture, in Jesus' faith, in the faith of what that he had been taught with, that makes him instantaneously unclean. But Jesus knew what he could do. Jesus knew the power and the authority that he carried and he touches it, and of course, it stops, the whole place stops. I can imagine that it would have been silent, like there would have been a whole lot of crying and wailing going on from the crowd with the funeral procession. There would have been a whole lot of chatter and side chatter and excitement and expectation with the other crowd that was following Jesus, but in this moment, no doubt already when he starts walking towards it, they probably started to quieten down a little bit, and then he says something to the woman, maybe they heard it, maybe they didn't, but touching the coffin, it's dead silent, I'm convinced of it. And then Jesus speaks out a statement that everyone no doubt would have heard. He talks to the boy, he says, boy, get up. And then he gives the boy back to his mother. You see, for a widow, you've got no husband and this was her only son. There's a lot of significance in that, and we're not going to dive into all of that today because it's beside the point of what I'm trying to get across here. But the boy was the best thing for that woman. Comfort, sure, great, but it wasn't the best thing for her. What could Jesus add to her That would build something in her. What could Jesus add to her that would cause the response of salvation to come to that? home today. What was Jesus building in this moment? Not even just in her but in the crowd around Him, showing them and today showing us that we are able to do more than what we can see with our natural eyes. We carry the power and the authority to do the supernatural. We are able to see dead things come back to life and so we can declare the goodness of God over someone's situation We can declare it over our own situation and see something happen. We've got to partner with Jesus and do it Jesus style, like Christ. Dining with sinners, ministering to the brokenhearted, preaching compellingly. Preach, heal, forgive, feed. I have come, Jesus said, for those who know they are sinners. We need to add to the world around us. And we've got to do it together. My second point this morning is two by two. Two by two. In Mark chapter 6, verse 6 to 9, it says that Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people, and he called his 12 disciples together, and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey, except a walking stick. No food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Jesus is setting them up here to experience the power of God. The power of God through provision. The power of God through healing. The power of God through deliverance. The power of God being outworked in their lives because they had nothing else to rely on. We don't need all the stuff We don't need all the other stuff to be able to do what God has called us to do. And despite us having a lot of stuff, especially in the West, we don't need it. Don't get distracted by it. Recognize that in any situation, any circumstance that you are presented with at work, in your family, in life, with your body, whatever it might be, what you carry inside of you is everything that you need more than enough. But two by two, he sent them out because it's not wise to do life alone. and It's certainly not wise to do ministry alone. If you're going to start doing and releasing the good work of God, if you're going to start engaging with what God has asked you to do, there is going to come opposition because the enemy doesn't like what the Lord wants for us. So he fights us. But you know what? If you're being fought, it means you're doing what you should be doing. If you're going through a trial or a tribulation, count it all joy, because God's going to grow you in that, but it also should represent to you that you're on the right path, that you're doing something that the enemy doesn't like. Keep doing it. Keep doing more of it, because that means that you're going to lead to a miracle. Something's going to happen, because it has to happen. And I love that. And so doing it with someone is so, so important. Come on, the Bible doesn't encourage us to be lone soldiers. We're a family, we're an army, we're stronger, we're better together. Two by two, it helps us to be accountable, not only from issues or temptations, but also helps us to be accountable to do what we've been asked to do or to do what we've said we're going to do. I read this in our first part of this series from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, but I want to read it again and look at something else out of these three verses. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. We are to share each other's burdens. So this morning, ask yourself, who can be your ministry buddy? Can it be your wife? Can it be your husband? Can it be a friend? Someone that you can do ministry together. Last week, we looked at this from the approach to leave no one behind. Leave no one behind. If someone wanders off, don't leave them. Don't let them go. Leave no one behind. But this week, I want to focus on this. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I'll get you to repeat after me, church, I am not that important. But I think, oh wow, you guys are really on point. That's unbelievable. I was going to say, you don't have to though, because I think I've made my point, but you got it. Yes, we are not that important. I am not that important. Let me illustrate this with a joke. (laughs) A general in the army was in his office and an officer knocked on his door. Wanting to impress the officer, the general picked up the phone and started talking while waving the officer into his office. The general said, yes, yes, Mr. Prime Minister, I will get onto this right away. Yes, Mr. Prime Minister, you have the right man for the job. By the way, Mr. Prime Minister, how's the first lady doing? Yes, no problem. And then hung up the phone, turning to the uh, officer in his office in a harsh tone. What, what do you want? What are you doing here in the office? said, oh, nothing, sir, I'm just here to fix the phone. You ever been pretending you're on the phone and then your phone rings? (laughs) Yeah, me me neither, but it would be pretty funny, eh? (laughs) Come on, we're not that important. But yet we are. Together, we are extremely important. You are, as a child of God, royalty, which carries royal responsibility for your people. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You have the answer. You carry the answer for the world around you. So you are very important. But as an individual, you are not that important. We are important. He is important. What we carry is important. See things with supernatural sight. See things through the eyes of Jesus. And do things two by two. We're going to get more done. My third point this morning is: you feed them. You feed them. You know, I love uh, the story of the feeding of the four thousand and the feeding of the five thousand because it's an awesome setup. Like by by Jesus, it's a training for his disciples. But but it's brilliant in the way that Jesus does it because in both times he says, no no no, you feed them. You feed them. And the response of the disciples in this moment, they're still in training, they still don't get it. And so they respond to Jesus, and let's have a look at one of the uh, Gospels this morning, Luke chapter 9. This is in all four Gospels, the response, and I think it's because Jesus really wanted to get this point across to us. Verses 12 to 13, it says, "'Late in the afternoon, the twelve disciples came to Him and said, "'Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms, so they can find food and lodging for the night.'" There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? Come on, Josh, we need to be people that would stop responding with natural mindsets when we serve a supernatural God who is able to do supernatural things. Come on, we were encouraged this morning by a prophetic word of God that He is the God that split the Red Sea. Come on, Joshua knew who He was. Son, stand still. Let me finish this war. Come on, you and I have been told that these signs will follow all those who believe. They can raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out devils. If anything poisonous or harmful comes against them, we'll by no means harm them. You and I are able to speak in new tongues. Come on, we're supernatural and we can do supernatural things. We've got to stop responding to life with a natural mindset and looking at what we don't have Because can I tell you that what you don't have is an opportunity for God to do a miracle through you. You feed them. You feed them. Take responsibility for your family, for the people around us. We are to feed them. Come on, you might not have Jesus standing in front of you to be able to do that miracle, but you've got Him living inside of you. You have Jesus living inside of you. You and I have been called to give, to feed, to be generous. I love that in the story it leads on to say that there was leftovers. Twelve basketfuls, in fact. I think Jesus is really trying to drive the point home to the boys. Hey, hey, come on, you feed them. And by the way, you do what I've asked you to do and I'll take care of you too. 12 basketfuls left over. I like that. They had a whole basketful left over for themselves, each. That's awesome. Come on. God is able to look after the people around you and you. You don't need to hold what you've got because you think that I might not have enough. You have way more than enough and it's not what you hold, it's what you carry. Jesus said the same thing to Peter. Go and feed my sheep. Go and look after my lambs. Go and feed my sheep. Come on, this is what we are. We're empowered. We have the power, we can feed them. And we're blessed. We have the blessing, so we are able to bless. If you let out, if you release, if you let go of what you carry, that's when you're going to see something shift and take place and you're going to be a part of a miracle in that moment. You and I have been called to the world around us to feed them not just with supernatural, but but the natural as well, both things. Look after the practical and the spiritual needs of people, it's what we carry and it's our blessing. Not just the the food though, of the natural, but the supernatural, the spiritual. You know, when Peter Peter did life with Jesus, he, he learned a lot and he took it on, and we see a very different Peter in the book of Acts to the Peter in the four Gospels, empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered to do what God had asked him to do. And the moment when uh, G- Jesus uh, sends, a, sends a couple of messengers to, to Peter, after Peter having a dream of a, of a sheep coming down, there's a whole bunch of unclean stuff on it. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Come on, th- there's the old ways, but then there's now the new ways, my ways. What I've made clean is no longer unclean. He was that once-for-all-time sacrifice, and Jesus was setting Peter up for a moment. There's a whole lot of contention going on in the church at that point, where the people who weren't Jews could come into relationship with Jesus without being circumcised, and would they need to be circumcised in order to be water-baptized, so they could be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They could receive the baptism of Jesus. And so, Peter gets summoned, essentially, to a Roman centurions, a Gentile's home, and he goes at the bidding of God through that dream. And he starts preaching to them. And I love this. Mid-sermon, the Holy Spirit shows up and interrupts the room. Let's look at this. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 48. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of, of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. And then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? He gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. There's a lot of need around us, church, right now. There's a lot of practical need, but even more importantly, there is a lot of spiritual deficit. There are a lot of people walking in darkness and they need Jesus. They need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, saved, spirit-filled and set on fire. It needs to be our mission. It's got to remain our mission. Church, I want to encourage us to not choose who we minister to, but to minister to everyone, every human being around us. If they don't have Jesus, they need Him. You know what? What does God want us giving to the world around us? What's the best thing that we can give to the world around us? What's the best thing that we can add to our society? And it is Jesus. We're to build the house of God. We are to add to people's lives. You see, giving, extending generosity, it opens people up. It opens them up to a relationship with Jesus. It opens them up to engaging in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's what we've been called to do. Humans are who Jesus died for. Remember this thought, no human chose to be born to whom they were born to and no human chose to be born where they were born. We don't get that choice. We don't get the choice to be in a family and be raised by the people that raise us. God gives us to our parents. Children are a blessing from the Lord. So recognize that every single person, you might think, man, wow, wow look at them and what they're doing and look, why would they do that? Don't, don't worry about all of that stuff. They didn't choose to be born where they were born, and they didn't choose to be raised the way they were raised, but God is able to save every single human being. So don't choose, just give, extend it out, as much as you do it to the least of these, Jesus said. Matthew chapter 25, verse 37 to 40. And these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? or a stranger, and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Can I get the band to come back, please? Building others. Let's add to them what they really need. Let's add to the world around us what they really need need. Be Jesus in any opportunity you get. You know, when I think about this, to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. Often it's not just the people in our world that we think, man, they could really do with some Jesus, but I believe every single person goes through moments of we are the least of these. Every season of life comes and goes. There's so many moments in each of our lives where it's a moment of the least of these moments. And we need the power of God in our own lives. But just as much as we need it when we really need it, the world around us needs it all the more. Anyone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, they don't experience what the believer experiences love and joy and freedom, hope. Hope of a future. Hope of something after we die. Hope of what's to come. Hope that there is more to life. That's a gift. That joy and that love, the freedom from our guilt and shame, the knowledge that there is more, that there is a whole eternity, that helps. It gives us energy. It keeps us going. It helps us to get up every morning. It helps us to engage in life. You imagine not having access to that power. Imagine if you're in this room and you're a believer and you didn't have access to the knowledge of what you know. Just can I encourage you? We've got to keep engaging in our relationship with Jesus and in this time and in this season and in this world around us all the more because it's who they really need. They don't just need the practical and us meeting needs. They need the spiritual effect. I'm praying and believing that this We Care Day that we're doing is not just going to be us meeting practical and physical needs. But as they see the church in actions, they see us doing moment of to the least of these, they're going to see love in action. They're going to see God in action. And I'm hoping that we're going to see souls being saved out of this. How awesome would it be if families around here find out about what we're doing? How awesome would it be if people from the department see Jesus in action? Imagine their lives being transformed. You no, know, refusing to help others is refusing to help Jesus. Generosity and love shown to others reveals the heart of God. It opens the heavens. It reveals Jesus. When we reach out, we are revealing Jesus. Come on, do not you stand to your feet this morning as I close our service today? Let's be Jesus to the world around us. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. God, have your way in our lives. God, we want what you have for us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, if someone needs healing today, I pray that they would be healed in Jesus' name. Lord, if someone needs a word of encouragement today, I pray that they would receive a word of encouragement Jesus, you have given us the power and the authority to set people free. Lord, this morning I pray that you would help us to see us and to see others through your eyes. And to see opportunity in every circumstance for a miracle to take place in Jesus' name.